0: Welcome back to another episode of the Max Term Podcast. Kyle Stitch here alongside James Finch. And today we're gonna run through kind of some recent happenings in the NHL, some news stuff along those lines, kind of a current events retrospective, if you will. It's been a little while since we've we've done that. We're kind of that's kind of the plan going forward as well, is every few weeks we'll do a level of recap, maybe a prospective as well. And uh, we appreciate you listening to this podcast and subscribing. It's available on all major podcast platforms, max term podcast. Uh, If you're looking for our thoughts outside of just this podcast on X, formerly Twitter, I'm just going to say Twitter. um, At AFP analytics is kind of the shared account that we run. And then both of our personal accounts can easily be found, be found from there. Uh, the new Blue Sky app, we have both of us have personal accounts. We also have the AFP Analytics account over there as well. And I think we should be setting up this Max Term Pod account very shortly over there. So we appreciate you following along on that platform as well. We haven't utilized that as much, but I think going forward, we might try to do that as well. Uh, any ads, anything associated with this podcast, or not necessarily products or anything that we're endorsing, working with and one other caveat especially as it comes to this the first item we're going to talk about we're not reporting anything here uh we're kind of giving our opinion based on what's publicly available um so don't take what we're gonna say especially on the first topic as absolute fact but i think putting some pieces together we might be able to give you a good sense based on our personal experiences and knowledges that we have might be able to put something together here so With that, let's get on to that first topic, and that's Patrick Kane. Um, And and who do we kind of, I guess we'll start, who do we see him potentially signing with? What teams do we think are going to be in the mix?
1: Yeah, so in general, just to kind of start of, well, who's going to be able to afford Patrick Kane? And that's kind of a loaded question midseason because there's this year not a whole lot of teams that went into the year with cap space. But then we got to consider there's teams that are going to be using um, LTIR and maybe there's a little more space to fit someone like Kanan. There's been some teams mentioned as kind of the, I guess, favorites. Um, Detroit gets mentioned a lot, the Red Wings. Florida Panthers, uh, a decent amount lately. I've seen over the past couple of weeks, handful of weeks, teams like Carolina getting thrown around, Colorado getting thrown around. One of the teams that I haven't really seen a whole lot, and I'm curious if they would have interest, is a team that originally we would think wouldn't be able to afford Patrick Kane but might be able to now with some LTIR the washington capitals the capitals have kind of had a good start to the year they're uh eight four and two um so right now they're in a playoff spot issue being with them i feel like they could kind of come back down to earth and they're not really scoring at the rate that a traditional historical washington capitals team would um And I think most people, when you look at Patrick Kane, would be thinking he's going to come in and score some goals or at least help get the team to score some goals. So that's a team I'd watch. Kind of, I guess more of a dark horse because they haven't been mentioned a whole lot. I would say someone like Edmonton would make sense the way that their season's going, but I'm not sure the money will really be there to make it happen. Um, So they could get crossed off pretty quickly. Um, One team that could definitely afford them with LTIR, I don't think they really need to, and I don't think the fit's there, the New York Rangers. Uh, He didn't look too good for the Rangers. I think that they just steer clear of the situation. But uh, another rumored team that I think we kind of want to mention and talk about a little bit is his hometown team, the Buffalo Sabres.
0: So real quickly, the Rangers. Um, I I don't disagree. They couldn't be a fit. Larry Brooks of the New York Post did report is that the Rangers were out. For what it's worth, I mean I, what we're about to basically talk about is with Buffalo is who, you, you always have to be careful where the who's reporting where the sourcing could be. So there could be a reason that he's reporting that they're out and. Things can always change quickly, and they could end up back in. So right now, the Rangers are probably outside looking in. The Maple Leafs as well a little bit have been yep. connected a little bit to him. But this, So the Sabres seem like the low-hanging fruit for Kane. And I personally think that there's a reason for that. So Kane grew up in Buffalo, grew up a Sabres fan. The Sabres have been struggling offensively. Their power play has been struggling. They just lost their, arguably their top scorer in Tage Thompson. Still some clear holes on right wing. They've been cycling a lot more prospects in and out of the lineup than they probably thought they were going to because of injuries. And just frankly, in a, an ineffective play. So on paper, the Patrick Kane to Buffalo idea makes probably almost I won't say the most sense, but it makes a lot of sense. The thing that doesn't make sense to me is the talk of a multi-year contract with the Sabers. So, it seems like it seems like I and I wouldn't blame the player and his agent for wanting a multi year deal especially at his age and there's no guarantee that he comes back from the hip resurfacing surgery Nick Backstrom did not really come back from this other players who have had the same injury have not really come back from it so it makes complete sense that they're looking for that multi-year contract the Sabres have prospects in the pipeline that I think you can argue are or are not ready right now But next year, I don't think there's going to be as much debate. They're going to need spots on their NHL roster for a few guys. You can listen to our future uh, Outlook Buffalo Sabres to kind of learn more about that. So the reason that I think the Sabres have been connected to Kane, especially with a multi-year contract, is strictly for the agent to kind of create leverage and get higher offers from other organizations. I'm not saying that there's no chance uh, Buffalo signs Kane, but I will not believe Kane is going to be a Buffalo saber on a multi-year contract until there's a tweet showing him signing a contract. It just, it doesn't, it doesn't make a lot of sense from a team building standpoint, but it makes a lot of sense to put those reports out there because that would create leverage and hope a team like the Florida Panthers up their offer just a little bit, whether that's adding a second year, adding a little bit more dollar value. So would I 100% roll the Sabres out? Absolutely not. But I'm still of the opinion that he will not be a Buffalo Sabre on a two-year contract or three-year contract until something's actually signed.
1: Yeah, I think you pretty much touched on this. It would be a pretty big flip in philosophy for the sabers to do a multi-year deal i don't want to say out of the blue because a lot of different injuries have happened here that like you said could make it make sense but they've been really big on not making a move that blocks the younger players and there already is when healthy an abundance of forwards it would just feel extremely odd if there was a multi-year contract on the table from Buffalo. Um, I'm right there with you, I think, and kind of thinking this, it might be more of a play from the agent. Um, trying to up the offers a little bit all around from the teams like Florida or, I don't know, if a Colorado's poking around there just – Trying to get the best offer possible. It it, it is kind of a situation. Multi years. I'll believe it when I see it. But injury situation that that just seems like such a stretch.
0: I I think it really makes a ton of sense if if Detroit's one of the preferred destinations. Detroit and Florida. If one of those teams are kind of the preferred destination using the Sabres as leverage like it makes sense for all parties involved like the Sabres would want their division rivals to spend more so they're probably okay to an extent going along and not like shutting those rumors down and if you're Kane's agent well, trying to convince the Red Wings to give a little bit more an extra year well one of your close one of the closest division rivals is is being like your top competitor makes a lot of sense to you so in Detroit and Florida, to me, are teams that I would say make almost the most sense. I really like your Washington Capital idea. I I kind of wonder could Pittsburgh somehow swing this as well to put a few more chips? Like they're they're putting their chips to the middle of the table, so why not put another one?
1: Yeah, I think it would be tough for Pittsburgh right now, just space wise. Uh, they don't really have a whole lot built up in long term injured reserve um they could i mean the the other factor here is I, I think we've been seeing this could end up somewhere in the 3 to 4 million dollar range but will it will it be lower will it be higher this is a very unique weird situation um I think before any numbers were ever reported as speculation, someone could have speculated he he might go for a million or less. Like, he's coming off a major, major injury. So it's kind of... I don't know. I, I think there's some things out there that are probably true. Certain teams interested have at least made contact, but I think this is a very... It seems like it's still a very wide open situation
0: where a lot could happen. So I probably should have done a little more research before just spitting this out right now. <laughs> I, I I don't know for sure, but it came to my mind as you were talking through there. Could they do an incentive, a bonus-heavy contract? I I don't I don't as Kane I don't know if he's old enough. I don't know if the fact that he would be signing mid-season precludes it. Um so I, I'm I'm just spitballing that off the he's cover. Thirty-four. So okay, so he, he yeah. hasn't hit thirty five, so uh so I guess they can't do something like that, but that could also be like, Hey, let's do a one year contract then with a kind of wink wink, like understanding you'll get a second year with a heavy bonus or whatever to kind of push things down the road. I don't know. It it could he... be a contract where teams get a little creative.
1: He is turning 35 in three days. But again, I I don't know how exactly that would factor in midseason. I I don't think that's something we'll really see in this situation. Um, I I feel like he's going to go for kind of the, the most guaranteed this season he can get.
0: Yeah, I, I I think I agree. I think it's I think speculating and just throwing it out there probably probably worthwhile, especially like if he if he wants to chase the money, like go get your money, fine. If if he is thinking about, I'm just using Pittsburgh as the example, given that they have a lot of older talent, really probably could use another player on the wing. Like the fit would make a lot of sense, but salary wise, it doesn't. So if if there's some creative ways to structure that maybe maybe if there's enough will from kane and his agent to get him to pittsburgh or someone else or washington or insert insert tampa bay if you want to maybe there's maybe there's some creative structuring and maybe they do something with bonuses or something like that
1: the other thing i i want to kind of touch on there um it, as far as him like chasing the money, it, he could chase the money for sure. But at the same time, everything we've kind of seen out there about Kane, there's been videos of him training and everything's going well. He's really healthy, feeling really good. Well, of course he is. That's maybe he actually is. But that's absolutely what an agent and a player's side of things would want to put out there and say, "Hey, we're we're ready to go." to get the best deal possible, there's got to be a little worry in that camp that, well, look what just happened with Backstrom. This could be the last contract he signs. Like, worst-case scenario, this is the last contract Patrick Kane gets in the NHL. So it could still be seen as, yes, chasing the money, but it very well could be it. Depending on how things go, so I, I think that does definitely factor in a little bit, especially if he kind of sees two teams as kind of an equal situation, and one can offer an extra 500k.
0: So fact checking myself a little bit, uh, I went through all the effort at afpanalytics.com to create an NHL glossary and reference site. So you know, I probably should just pulled up my own writing from a couple months ago and fact check myself here. So Kane, for this season, cannot sign a contract with bonuses in because he will not have been 35 at the start of the league year, so July 1st in this case. And he also didn't miss enough games last season to have to basically fall in the other exception, um, which is you have to have 400 NHL games. Obviously, Patrick Kane has played that many in his career and spent at least 100 days on injured reserve during the previous season. He played out most of the season. Maybe he should have spent some time on injured reserve, so he could have been eligible to do something like this, but that's neither here nor there. the same point, the idea of a bonus-heavy contract, okay, yes, it can't happen now, but again, maybe they do a one-year with kind of like an immediate-type extension down there. I don't know. Just, just throwing some different ideas out there. It feels like if there's, if he wants to make it work with a team and a team really wants to make it work, there's some cre- maybe some creative ways to do that. So one of the teams, I guess, uh, kind of glossed over, but that you had mentioned for Kane. But w- the reason we glossed over is probably because Kane's not the, going to probably solve their issues. And that's the Edmonton Oilers who recently fired head coach Jay Woodcroft and have hired Chris Knobloch from the Hartford Wolfpack and that's an that's an interesting kind of hire in and of itself you rarely see an AHL coach from a different organization getting a head coaching job with another organization going from AHL to NHL mid-season obviously happens all the time and the regulars after, after the season's over in the, I'd say the regular stretch, the off season, if you will. But the, again, in season, it's generally, you put an assistant there, you bring someone up from your own AHL team, or you hire someone who's currently unemployed and bring them in. I would have thought they would have went probably the, someone who's currently unemployed route. Um, Maybe even a Bruce Boudreaux would have been really interesting. He seems to have very short-term success. But that was the way Edmonton went. Do we like this? Do we think that the head coach was the problem? Where, where, What are we thinking right here?
1: I don't really think the head coach was the problem. Um, I, I do want to say it's kind of interesting to hire... Well, one, just to be able to have the conversation with another team's AHL coach mid-year, which kind of tells me it's one of two things. Either the Rangers just wanted to do right by their AHL coach and let him have the opportunity, or maybe they weren't as worried about losing him as they could have been, or maybe it's a mixture of those two things. It's just a really odd situation that doesn't happen very often. That said, I I hope it works out. I hope uh, the coach is really good there. I don't think it was really a coaching issue, though. Um, I think this was more a situation where there was a team really struggling to get going. And pretty much was... Backed into a corner of, well, there's nothing else we can really do right now to shift things up a little bit. Right up against the cap, they, I want to say, had some issues just in the offseason maneuvering their roster, um, managing that well because of how close to the cap they are. So right now in season, there weren't a whole other, a lot, There weren't a whole lot of options other than making a change on the coaching staff. That said, I've seen some suggestions that McDavid might be playing with a little bit of an injury, something bothering him a little bit, because he's not playing at the usual Connor McDavid levels. And honestly, I, I think this is kind of a team that, because of their cap situation, they they don't have a ton of depth. It would be nice to see them fill it out a little more, but again, don't have the money to. They also had a goaltending issue. Their $5 million goalie is now in the AHL and not performing very well down there. It's really just a, a tough situation, a tough start, i, I think it was kind of everything just going wrong that we thought could maybe go wrong with the Oilers. And, again, the only thing they could really do about it was change the coach.
0: Yeah, I mean, the GM's not firing himself, and yep. that's probably where the biggest issue lies is, is the talent on that team is, I mean, again, you have two of the best players in the world up front. One, one of them is definitely dealing with something. I mean, he, he missed games with injury, and I'm sure that he was not fully healthy when he came back when there were reports that he was going to miss weeks, and he was back within basically a, a full week or so, give or take, I forget, a couple of days. But he was, he was back much quicker than the anticipated timeline. That probably had something to do with the fact that there was an outdoor heritage classic game that it would be absolutely just disastrous if he didn't play in so there's there's probably he's probably dealing with something but just all all down their lineup they're just not getting outside of Evander Kane right now they're just not getting the performance that like the level of performance they need from a lot of their top who should be their top players so uh we also are planning a kind of a fun little but also hopefully interesting episode kind of themed around Black Friday buying like buying who to buy on a deal type thing. So we'll we'll probably be talking more about the oilers then because kind of a little teaser here. Their underlying numbers are good. So there there's there's a there's hope for them. But you had to like if you're Edmonton you have to do everything because not only is well McDavid might be playing with something right now but his contract's only two more years and at some point i think frustration's going to set in and it's not just him leon draisaitl has this year and next year on on his absolute steal of a contract so he's going to look to cash in so If you're Edmonton, you have to do everything in your power to maximize this window.
1: Yeah, I think there were already kind of some reports out there that just this whole situation in general, he was, I think the report was that he was pissed off about it um, more than he ever has been, which kind of, well, duh. Like, that's the situation they're in right now. They should be one of the top teams, and they're, looking like one of the worst teams just if you glance but really like you said we'll kind of talk about maybe in a future episode here that they should kind of be rebounding at some point here and looking a little bit better one little caveat to that is i sort of wonder if this coaching change throws any kind of wrinkle into those underlying numbers that looked good, is there going to be a change in how they play um, different philosophies offensively or defensively? And could we kind of see a different Oilers team in general? I, I guess that's to be seen in the coming weeks. One thing, i I pulled it up real quick here. The Athletic had a piece, I think it was Dom from The Athletic.
0: You don't want to try Dom's last name? i I know uh, um, do you know it? uh okay dom I'll, I'll give it a shot i'm sure I'm sure you absolutely listen to every episode of this podcast dom Lashushin? Lush- yeah I, i'm I'm sure I'm wrong as well
1: I mean apologies for any incorrect use or incorrect pronunciation. Um, that being said, usually does some pretty solid work for the athletic. Caught my eye. He put out a piece, 16 stats. And before he got into his 16 stats, he talked a bit about Connor McDavid and what's going on. We've referenced a bit on the AFP Analytics Twitter the NHL stats, the edge stats that they have recently put out. Dom took a look at those for Connor McDavid. And there was one that stood out to me a little bit here. He hasn't had as many bursts, so skating bursts. Last year, he had 17.6 bursts per 60 above 20 miles an hour and 26.9 bursts between 18 and 20 miles per hour. This season, that's down to 16.3, so that's 17.6 to 16.3. And then the 26.9 bursts between 18 and 20 is down to 23.6. So there's a fairly significant decrease in the bursts for Connor McDavid. And again, this is very new data available to the public. It's tough to say anything for sure based off of it. But you can kind of draw some conclusions of something's probably just not quite feeling right for McDavid cuz he's not skating like he can.
0: Yeah, I've fallen. I guess a little off of you know other other things have come up that that have needed a little bit more attention than being able to put together these NHL edge stats, stats at the AFP Analytics Twitter account. Hope hope to continue to throw them out somewhat frequently because they are fun and I think they there can be a level of insight gleaned. Like one of the first things that I looked at with that was Buffalo's Alex Tuck because watching him early in the season and was clear there was an issue and. I basically came to the exact same conclusion or at least used the numbers very similar to Dom, how Dom has used them and seems like something's off with Tuck. See like those numbers seem to speak that something's off to, with McDavid. And I mean, I think that's one of the kind of at least narratives that you can use those stats for right now. So I, I know Dom's also done a level of statistical analysis with them. I, I read his first article Um, on on some of the like year to year and like the bursts are a pretty consistent thing in general if i remember from what he had written so there's some value there and i think but at least it is saying well the stats are kind of indicating something's up and mcdavid not being right i mean he's he's obviously been one of the best players but He also is a player who relies on basically being faster than everyone and being the best skater we've ever seen play the sport. And that's how he was kind of scoring a lot of his goals and points. And if that's not there, I'm not going to say he's a bad player, but he's a lot more ordinary.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's still playing well. He's just not playing at the level Connor McDavid plays at and when you're an Oilers team who is very very reliant on Connor McDavid playing at a Connor McDavid level it's it shows but keep an eye out for a future episode here because Oilers should be rebounding soon if their underlying stats kind of keep trending the way they are with this new coach uh, there should be a rebound here they shouldn't be doing bad Too much longer.
0: Okay, I'll I'll get my quick uh, Buffalo Bills comparison in here right now. You know, I I'm very frustrated, but the Oilers and the Buffalo Bills are are very similar in that they have superstars that they need to maximize the window on, and they need to do whatever they can to maximize that window. I will also throw the same, I'll throw a thing of caution in that. Edmonton seems to be doing everything they can to appease their star player, and that might not be the recipe for success because I think some of the frustrations in the Buffalo Bills organization is the exact same thing. Everything's being done to appease their star player. Edmonton needs to be a level of careful. They hired Connor McDavid's agent to be their director of hockey ops. They hired his junior coach as their head coach. I mean, if, if this doesn't all work out and things start going south, like a tough decision is going to have to be made. And and I'm not sure appeasing going all into appease McDavid for the, I mean, even just window dressing, like who knows? He might not care that they're doing all this just a cautionary tale if if the hires that they've made aren't actually good fits longer term this i mean edmonton's gonna be in a tough spot if he were to walk anyways but like you're you're making some decisions putting all your chips on Connor mcdavid which you should but you you do need to be a little bit mindful of that but definitely maximize his window and i just had to get i couldn't go this entire episode without talking about the bills in that disaster
1: no, oh, I know. Being a Western New York based podcast, uh, well, I, I know. I, I like to watch their games. I've got family that are fans of the Bills, and in a way, I guess I sort of am too. I root for them, but you've got a little bit of a heavier fandom for them. Uh, things are tough. Things are tough.
0: So, anyways, with with that with that tangent, I I, t- I promised myself I wouldn't hijack the whole a whole episode. I was offered the opportunity, but I, I said no. <laughs> we'll, we'll we'll maintain our professional hockey standards. We'll here. see
1: uh, by the end of the NFL season. Hopefully, there's no need for an episode, but we or, can revisit or the next it time we record.
0: True, but anyways, well, so want to stick in Western Canada while we're while we're out that direction with other kind of happenings in the NHL or someone else we want to highlight first.
1: Um, depends where you're going with that.
0: I was thinking starting not not staying in Alberta, but going a little bit farther west to Vancouver, and let's 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 eat this one, let's take it now, let's take it now. So in our in our season preview, the Canucks, just say we were we thought Rick Tockett was going to come in and try to implement a defensive structure. Well, classic Rick Tockett. That's yeah, what we were expecting, and that has not happened.
1: No, so I mean they they are scoring. And I I do want to say we were wrong about Vancouver. Um I will say I remember myself saying they've kind of been a team that on paper should start being good and it just hasn't quite worked. And I I guess we can say it took Rick Tockett coming in, and it's it's working now. It's working on paper. That said, how long is it actually going to work for? And if you're someone who cares at all about underlying numbers, which if you're listening to the two of us talk, you probably care a little bit about the underlying numbers. Vancouver... Is probably, I guess, for a lack of a better way to describe this, they're really
0: overperforming those what what we're seeing with the underlying numbers. Yeah, and again, I think I think our next episode we're kind of planning will 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 go into a little bit more who to buy, sell, etc., and where they're at early. I guess not early in the season, but as we start to approach American Thanksgiving, big milestone. But Vancouver, what we were saying was it. Rick Tockett has traditionally been known for defensive structure, defense first, and he's kind of letting his horses run wild, which is exactly what he needed to do. And it's it's ironic because... Bruce Boudreau, who was fired, is kind of more known for that style of hockey and Tockett known for more defensive style. But for whatever reason, maybe maybe it's just a personality fit or whatever, but it seems like Rick Tockett's getting what needs to be gotten out of those players.
1: Yeah, it's been a great start to the season for them. Also want to throw out there quickly since we're on the Canucks, Thatcher Demko is playing like a absolute number one franchise goaltender to the to the level that I would say he is going to regress that being said he could just regress a little bit and still stay at an elite level of play that that's how good he's been so I i Kind of just want to throw out there, like, he's had a great start to the year. It's probably not going to last to this extent, but he could still have a very good season with a little bit of regression.
0: Is he the early season Vezna favorite? He's definitely in the top three, I think. I don't know if he's the favorite. He is certainly up there, and I I think if the season were
1: to end today, he would be the favorite. But because we're so early in the season, it's a small sample size. Some other names that are kind of, I guess, up there in the top goalie conversation so far this year are kind of some names you might not expect. Um One of those being Jordan Binnington's having a great year so far, and you'd kind of think he would be on the opposite uh, side of this conversation uh, based off of recent play in the past uh, couple of years, really since they won the
0: Cup. I would say on Binnington what might be a little different this year than in the past, well, since they won the Cup, is the expectations aren't quite as high on. Like a lot of people were kind of picking the Blues to be – on the outside of the playoffs, looking in, kind of rebuilding a little bit. So a little bit of pressure maybe is off for the first time since winning that cup. So may- maybe that's contributing to it a little bit.
1: Yeah, um, but that's definitely a possibility. But it's still kind of a weird name to see up there. A little less weird because of the recent success, but I, I guess maybe more intriguing to see Aiden Hills having a very solid season. I want to throw the name out there. This is maybe a little less surprising. Jeremy Swayman. Issue with him, I guess, over a full year is he's going to be pretty much splitting time with Olmark, and that could hurt his chances. I'd say the same
0: probably with Aiden Hill as well. Like he, Possibly, he's, yeah. he's he's kind of their one, but lo, like more of a one A. Yeah, Logan Thompson's getting his fair share of yeah. starts as well. Where Demko is is the clear. He's the majority. Guy guy in vancouver
1: yep one name i want to throw out there that the team's record wouldn't really show this but his numbers have been great he's probably the reason they're as good as they are calgary flames jacob markstrom is having a very solid season on a team that's not performing well and i think the reason i find that important to throw out there is i because they're not performing well, he he wouldn't actually be a Vesna candidate. But he's struggled a little bit in Calgary since he got there, at least having what we would call off-seasons. And he's having a very solid year, and I think if he wasn't and he was still that goalie that was having the off-seasons, Calgary's situation could be way worse than it is right now so i i guess i kind of wanted to throw that out there just people might not be noticing it because their record's not too good but markstrom's actually playing pretty well let's see any other names another fun one pacific division john gibson starting off really well Um, i've been seeing a couple things here and there people saying is john gibson back and i think It's a fair question, but he tends to start off the years playing very well. And more towards the end of the season, he falls off a cliff. Not necessarily putting that on the player. It might be more situationally. He has been the number one for a while. You can only play so many games before you just get tired. But in this small sample beginning of a season, it's good to see John Gibson's playing Clear number one to elite level goalie play. I
0: think it helps. Lucas Dostal is 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 a very good backup to one B at this point as well. So less games for Gibson, maybe um, the, the Ducks can feel a little more confident, kind of giving him some relief as well, and that might that might allow him to sustain the success a little bit more. and And talk about a team off to a hot, good start, surprising team, if you will, or the Ducks. And then I I kind of want to add on Anaheim. I forgot to say it earlier. I Wonder if they could be a sleeping contender for Patrick Kane. Like if they want to put the gas pedal down a little bit more. I mean, they brought in Kalorn, who I don't think he's got in a game yet.
1: Maybe. Um, it, I I think it, he was did in. He just come
0: back recently.
1: This past week, I saw I saw a highlight with him in it, so it might have been just yesterday so probably
0: a game or two so so he's now back so i mean if if they're willing to bring him out him in as a veteran player may, maybe there's a level of interest in kane and they have cap space but sorry back to the goalie uh goalies kind of any yeah. anyone else for for the ven we haven't really so ironically you haven't really read off any names if you will like there's a lot of Goalies who are performing so, really well, but none of the traditional names.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, there's, I guess, some higher level names. I'll, I guess, I'll toss Jake Ottinger in there just because he had recently a good season that made Dallas pretty high up the list on a list of contenders. Shesterkin, Sorokin, kind of the, the two Russian goalies right now, I would say, that are kind of considered on a different level they're playing fine they're playing well but they're not necessar- necessarily playing their elite level of of hockey right now a third Russian goalie that hasn't played at all and it's going to be a little while is Vasilevsky so that's kind of a name we'd usually look for that's obviously not there right now I want to we've been talking about Vesna. I kind of want to throw some top names out there that maybe aren't Performing too well right now. First one I'll start with, and this one's interesting Connor Hellebuck. Because Winnipeg's having a pretty decent season so far. It's not necessarily because of Hellebuck. He's been very average to a little bit below average so far this season. So th- that's one I would look for some improvement, hopefully. At least if they want to make a push into the playoffs.
0: That's why, uh, I mean, it's it's too, way too early but like this is also why well it's early in the season way too early in his contract but this is why i would have been a little cautious if i was a team acquiring him is is like he he's still on that 6 million dollar contract we're not even to that that big that big money deal yet and you were seeing again small sample size this season but we're seeing a little bit of a decline so uh, but maybe there's going to be a little buyer remorse quick sooner than later because it will probably set in at some point
1: yep and I, I've i got one more name we can move on from the goalies after you say Soros not a good start to the season yeah I guess that's sort of another interesting one to me I, I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here because we will be talking about different teams soon but Predators are, I think, maybe a tiny bit better than they're playing right now. And, again, Soros is not playing well, so it's not really where you would expect them to actually be bad. But, again, it's a small sample size. Uh, most teams are, like, mid-teens right now and games played, and most goalies, like the top guys, have played – well, I guess Soros has 13 games, which is a majority of games played. But just that in itself, 13 games, you can't really base goalie play off of 13 games. So I'm I'm not here to say, oh, Soros is bad now. It's he's just not having the best start to the year.
0: Yeah, again, check out our uh, kind of Black Friday special, if you will, buyers, sellers, teams, teams to maybe buy into a little bit for some positive regression, sells for some negative regression, stuff like that. I'll be pounding the table for uh, Nashville in, in that episode.
1: I've got a couple more things I want to talk about. You got anything else? No? Okay. First one I want to throw out there, because I think in the off season when we've talked about this team, we were critical of this. New York Rangers, Alexi Lafreniere. And I, I guess Capocacco, too, is part of that conversation. We were pretty much saying... Rangers need scoring from their high draft pick wingers. Last season, they traded for Tarasenko and Kane because there were holes on the wing in the top six. So they, they need something from these two guys. Capocacco is not having a good year. Still concerning there. Alexi Lafreniere, I don't want to say he looks like a number one overall pick right now. At least based on how a lot of number one overall picks perform, but he's definitely seeming like he's on the right track. Expected goals four is just under 55%. Uh, Corsi can be a little telling. It doesn't necessarily give us the full picture, but his is pretty high up there right now. A little over 61%. Another thing I like, this is a little less advanced, but Something I'd look at, when when you look at points, so Lafreniere's got seven goals, four assists. That's 11 points in 14 games. I don't like really looking at just the blanket points that we see, but kind of, okay, when is he getting these points? He's got a goal and an assist on the power play, so nine of his 11 points are even strength. I, I think... We can kind of tell based on those other numbers, like expected goals for and the actual goals for how he's playing at 5v5, but that's kind of another way, just at the very basic numbers, you could kind of look into it and see, okay, well, even strength, he's performing pretty well. So Um, I'm
0: big on context, especially when we start talking about like underlying number stats like this, when it comes to players on good teams or at least teams with good records. I'll phrase it that way. Yep. The Rangers are off to a very good start. One of the best records in the league, one of the highest point percentages in the league. Their Corsi 4 percentage as a team and their expected goals for percentage as a team are right around the 50% mark, give or take, like, I'm talking decimal. So they're basically yep. a break-even team. The fact that Lafreniere is significantly above that, so his relative numbers would be very yep. positive. And I think, I think that's a very important context, especially when you're talking about a player on a team that's either thought of as really good Maybe, maybe they're not quite as good, but thought of as really good or thought of as kind of a poor team is to look at in the context of the overall team. So, the Rangers, when Lafreniere is on the ice, are a lot better team, at least controlling some of these underlying shot metric, shot quality, stuff like that. So, context, I think, is absolutely important when we talk about stats like this. And so, Lafreniere is not necessarily being propped up on just a good Rangers possession team. Like, he's...
1: You could argue and I would say a little more research needs to be done, but he's almost the one doing the propping.
0: Yes, he would be one he would I would consider him a plate driver right now. I I think the just finishing the point real quick on why context is important is a lot of Carolina hurricane players traditionally over the past few years have had really good coursey expected goal numbers when you look at it in the context of the entire league, because Carolina plays a style of hockey that's kind of indicative. It, it I can't pull the right word out, but it allows their players to kind of have numbers that are strong in those categories, but their actual, like their relative impact to what the team's doing might be not quite as strong, but they could look better overall. So really important for context. So Lafrenier absolutely needs to uh to be a play driver for the Rangers and early the season seems to be doing so.
1: Yep, so that was one of two things I wanted to touch on here. And lastly, I guess this is a conversation that was spurred by Shana Goldman on Twitter. She Out It was a video of a a nice play, but kind of highlighting Eric Gustafson for the Rangers and just how well he's playing for them. And I ended up making a quote tweet just to kind of throw out there. This should have been predictable, not necessarily a given, but this was a name that I had thrown out throughout the offseason as, like, he's not going to cost very much. Could be a very solid player in the right role. And to be completely honest, uh, our projection for him was three years at about $3.4 million. I was saying this that's not too bad of a deal. That's a pretty good contract. It's feasible. He ended up signing for one year, 825000 which tells me he's a very undervalued player because there's numbers out there for him that would show if you put him in the right situation, the right role, he's going to play very well for you. Now, to kind of loop in the team he was last on before signing this contract, Toronto Maple Leafs. So they traded for him from the Washington Capitals. He was really solid for the Capitals last year. Gets to Toronto round trade deadline. Just to kind of give a refresh, they also traded for Jake McCabe. There was a point where you kind of looked at Toronto's blue line and said they have way too many NHL defensemen. In a way, though, I sort of liked it. Like, they're, if someone gets hurt, they've got another guy to plug right in that they could feel good about. So that's fine, but I think Toronto fans lean towards having a negative perception of Eric Gustafson. I think he played about eight games for them. I don't think that's a. I don't think that's enough of a sample size to say, oh, he's not a good player. And I think he was kind of average for them. So, uh, I think he was he wasn't run out of town like Justin Hall, but he wasn't really considered as okay. Well, let's maybe try and bring this guy back. However, Toronto decides to go sign John Klingberg, who he's not good, to put it bluntly.
0: And, and Toronto didn't just give him like a similar contract that um, Eric Gustafson got. They gave him a significant contract. So that 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 is is again talking about yes. contracts. Like it's not like they tried to buy low and find a bar, like a different bargain. They.
1: there is what i would call a significant amount of money tied up for a poor performing player it was 4.15 million Uh, one year deal so i guess long-term risk isn't there but still when you're a team up close to the cap needing to improve depth wise that's very very weird contract Bringing it back to Gustafson. So Gustafson, 825 k for one year to the Rangers. Toronto, Ops for signing Klingberg, $4.15 million. Both of them had have played 14 games this season. Klingberg has about 7.5 more minutes total at 5v5. So they have a very similar amount of time on ice. Going to run through some numbers here. So... Gustafson's three goals, seven assists, ten
0: points in the fourteen games. These five-on-five five all situations, just just for clarity.
1: Points is all situations, which I I will sort. I I will touch on that. Um. So Gustafson, three goals, seven assists, ten points in fourteen games. Klingberg, no goals, five assists, so five points in fourteen games. Now, talking about five-e-five versus. Power play and penalty kill. They both have two assists on the power play this year. So both have two power play points. Now, talking expected goals for, I've got Eric Gustafson. This is 5v5. Got him at 56.88%. Got John Klingberg at 42.97%. And in general, 50% you're breaking even. So one of them's playing a bit better, and one of them is really just not playing well at all. Now, you mentioned earlier in this episode about relative. Now, I'm pulling these numbers from Evolving Hockey. When they do relative, they break it down per 60. So we've got relative expected goals per 60. So again, kind of being able to reference in comparison to the players on his team, how is he doing? So Eric Gustafson's at point six two expected goals per 60. Klingberg is at minus .76. So again, one of them playing pretty well in comparison to the rest of his teammates. And the other one... Just when he's on the ice, it's not good for his team. And again, want to keep throwing this out there. Gustafson, $825,000. Klingberg, $4.15 million. So I'm just going to straight up say it. Gustafson is the superior player. This is a just bad-looking situation for Toronto, even without looking at Gustafson, I don't know what they were doing signing Klingberg. The one st- step I want to take here to take it a little further, let's say Toronto signed Gustafson instead of Klingberg. It's getting hypothetical, but that would be an extra $3.325 million that they would have had to spend. That kind of gets you at least this off season. You're if you're looking at free agents, it gets you in the level of a uh, Eric Howla, Matt Duchesne, Evan Rodriguez type of player, which is absolutely something that they could use as depth for their forward group. And I, that gets very hypothetical. It's very possible those three players I named wouldn't have had interest in going to Toronto. For all I know. My main point is there was a much superior defenseman who cost way less that they could have signed, and it would have made the rest of the roster construction a bit easier.
0: I will just add a again, context little, little context here. Um, Gustafson, last year, as you said, small sample size with his games in Toronto, his expected goals for percentage relative, I I I have natural stat trick ups, so we they're a little bit different, but it was it was not good. I'll just say, I'll just say that. Like so, it, it, there's lots of questions. Was it just too small of a sample? Didn't have time to acclimate. Didn't get a fit. Didn't get chemistry. Like all those are are questionable. So it there's a level of like Toronto was justifiable in moving on. But at the same, but your point about well him or there could have been someone else to use that money on opposed to spending what they did on John Klingberg, who has not been, who has been terrible for them. Let's not sugarcoat that. Is probably correct. I mean, yeah.
1: Well, so my, I might be being a little hard on Toronto. My my main point involving Toronto is Klingberg is a bad defenseman. In this scenario, looking at Gustafson in comparison to Klingberg, just numbers wise right now, yes, I would absolutely take Gustafson over Klingberg. It's very easy in hindsight to say they should have done it and it wasn't great for Gustafson in Toronto. So I, I'm I guess I'm more just Trying to throw out there that for a team like Toronto that should have been bargain shopping ends up signing a defenseman who is really not that good to a fairly sizable cap hit when there were better options at a much lower cost, whether it was Gustafson or someone else.
0: Yes, and I think that is absolutely the point that needs to be driven home, and I think we have to mention as well. They also paid Ryan Reeves $1.3 million. So Toronto should have almost, should have like five and a half more million dollars in cap space, probably subtract some of that with uh, another defenseman, but like they should have, let's, let's just say 4 million because you have to replace probably Klingberg and, and Reeves on the roster, but that should have been done much more efficiently. So they should have an extra 4 million to work with. So here, here we'll come full circle here. They wanted to, it would help them be in the Patrick Kane uh, sweepstakes if they really wanted to be, say that mostly tongue in cheek, but but it would have allowed them to probably add one more big name player, which I think right now is kind of, or at least another good depth player, which is kind of what they need right now to kind of balance out things a little bit more like their top guys are going, but then it's a black hole, like they kind of force themselves into trading sam lafferty i'm not saying that sam Lafferty's solving all their issues but he's better he's a lot better than ryan reeves
1: yeah and uh to speak more specifically they are way over the cap they've got some guys on ltir but with how far over the cap they are that they don't have space really to work with right now and so, yeah, a move like maybe having interest in Patrick Kane would be really tough to swing without moving someone out, or I guess another injury pops up i I don't know, but they kind of backed themselves into this corner
0: yeah they they backed themselves into a much sm- like smaller space than they had to, like the fact that they're as close to the lt- l t i r long term injured reserve ceiling. Is is their own is kind of their own doing, and if they weren't there, they probably they would have a level more of flexibility again. I'm I'm jokingly saying Patrick Kane as we're about to wrap and kind of yeah. connect it full circle, but like in theory, they would be a fit if they had space. Yeah, and it, and that's just one name. I mean, yeah. it, insert insert generic veteran that they could acquire at the deadline or like mid season or something in, instead of Patrick Kane and if they didn't have the Reeves and Klingberg contract, it would be a lot easier to do so, a lot less maneuvering. So
1: they could have paid top Chicago Blackhawk Corey Perry four million dollars.
0: Well, I don't know if well, I mean, he's probably more impactful than Ryan Reeves, so I would think so. I mean there, there's I think the Perry's though. having I could be wrong, but I wanna say I
1: saw he's actually playing fairly well for them so far.
0: Yeah, well, okay, but no,
1: that's hundred percent a joke. I'm not serious about it. But, uh,
0: well, well, I think since we've reached the Corey options. Perry to <laughs> Toronto Maple Leafs joke of the of the episode, feel like that's probably the time to wrap this one up. Yeah. We've kind of exhausted uh, a lot of things. But so that, those are those are kind of some of the big current events. As as I said, our next episode we're gonna look at kind of a f- more forward looking. This was kind of a retrospective, but can theme something around black friday teams that are going to be buyers sellers players to buy players to sell stuff like that and um appreciate you listening to this episode subscribing wherever you might consume your podcast follow us on twitter at afp analytics uh blue sky as well at afp analytics as well as our personal accounts can all be found um at, on twitter at the AFP analytics handle on blue sky. It's just our names very easy to find us. And with that, we'll talk to you next time.